Welcome to the Mortal Realms, an Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. In this episode, we cover the lore of the Beast of Chaos battle tome. We rampage across the Mortal Realms, tearing apart everything in our path, snorting, stomping, consuming, desecrating all we find, and casting written records into the dust. Then maybe we'll find something to uh, talk about with uh, what's up with them beasts. Your allies through the gore gates this episode are... I'm Davey, and listener, I'd like you to know that one day, if you try hard enough, you may become strong enough to fight the Gore Father himself. <laughs> well, I'm Paul. And uh, did you hear about the new god of death from the realm of life? They call him Morgur. Uh, and I'm Aaron, and it occurs to me that uh, the movie Beauty and the Beast would be a completely different story if it was set in the mortal realms. Ooh, love it. Think about it. That'd be messed up. I wouldn't watch that. Um, yeah, hey, how are you guys doing? How's everybody doing? I'm a little really scarred by that from the mortal realms. That's sure. a little weird. It wouldn't be for kids. It's not a tale <laughs> as old as time. I <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it is. Uh, uh, good. How are you, man? I'm hanging out. I'm hanging in there and hanging out. I guess we're doing a lot of hanging. All that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're we're back to the videos for the for the time being. Anyways, uh, oh, I meant to say actually after Davey, you read that, uh, Eric who, ne- Eric who needs who? him? Eric who? Yeah. Uh, not able to be with us tonight, but it doesn't matter. I I don't I don't. Uh, he doesn't know the first thing about beasts. Sure. Not like you guys, beast you experts. Know, we gave him a written test and he failed it, and so we uh, told him he could not uh, comment on this we one. We have high admission yeah. standards. I know. Well, let's be honest. He took his ogres. They took the beasts from the ogres and they made them into insects. So I mean, his like you know cool level force is like kind of that's true. Level. That's true. Uh, Plus, he's a believer in the corporeous chaotic apostolate. No, uh, just really not into <laughs> which is absurd. More, <laughs> more yeah. on that later. Very hey, soon, actually. Uh, uh, b- before we talk about this be- beast of chaos battle tome, I mean, do we want do you want to talk about what you've been up to? Maybe any any news on the the home fronts that it's worth sharing? Sure, uh, Davy, you, you said sure. You got to lead. Yeah, I uh, I uh, got out and played some AS AOS two point uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, and uh, actually played with uh, this battle tome. So uh, got to run around with some Gabe Spawn. Uh, that was pretty fun, actually. Um, a, lot of, a lot of different rules interacting in a fun way that felt very thematic and story-driven. Story so uh, maybe a little more on that later. I've got uh, a box O Night Vault here to be opened right after this podcast so I can <laughs> finally look at that stuff. And... Uh, I've been working on uh, converting up some of my sepulchral guard from uh, Shadespire as well. Cool. Right on. Uh, nice. Just in time to have them replaced by a bunch of spooky ghosts. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. They, you got to be, you gotta be uh, the hobby uh, hipster. And so when everyone's playing <laughs> the cool ghosts, then you, uh, you bust out the skeletons. Sure. But can they resurrect their ghosts? I don't think so. Yeah. Get off me. Paul, what you been doing? Uh, well, my... IRL is PLDR, so uh, I haven't been working on much hobby, but um, I have registered for PACA, so I'm mm. pretty happy about that. Uh, I'm preparing for the All Hollows coming up at the end of the month. I've heard so of that's it. Pretty sweet. Yeah, really? It's, it's a thing. You know, it's a it's a narrative event. I feel like it's close to it, right? Like, to, like our, close to, like, to like our hearts and like yeah. the, the people we care about? I'm getting like a distance, like it's as close to Davy. It's kind of where it's going to be. So well, that's too far away. He lives in a different country, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's pretty exciting. November. So getting excited for that. So uh, yeah, ramping up to event, as it were. So that's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it. Right on. 
Um, I don't have anything even remotely as interesting as any of that stuff. Um, I've been buying stuff, uh, Night Vault, like like Dave. So it's not just it's not just Night Vault. You have to buy all the additional stuff. I gotta buy sleeves. I gotta buy that binder. That hobby. Yeah. Well, I, well, my depends on who, who's hobby. Um, so all the different accessories, which I mean, that's half the fun is just organizing everything and putting it into little spots. Yeah, um, for some people, it's half the fun. For you, it's probably. 90 <laughs> of the fun yeah i only 70%. play the game to justify organizing it and then like taking it out and then reorganizing it actually i oh no my my kids are i gotta go my kids are i gotta go and <laughs> go do more organizing um it's, it's on my floor right now actually which is really driving me nuts uh but beyond that not a whole bunch i'm still working on silver tower which i'll get done eventually um but that's that's really about it uh, anything else you guys want to chat about before we dive deeply into this battle tome see aaron i for some reason think that there's something to do with fences oh you like i forgot all about that that's how boring my fences are and i just want to die <laughs> um i've been filing those walls and fences for probably four years now uh just here and there and i'm finally down to my last like it's not a picket fence or whatever the word is for like the, the cross those things are nuts um but i've got one left and I'll never have to look at a fence again. Mm. I mean, don't even, I mean, if I come over to your house and, and you have a fence, I'm going to have to close my eyes because I'm not going to look at them. <laughs> I, so I guess just... they're not getting painted. They're, they're just getting scraped. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the thing is, they go with my, my chapel and my tower, and oh, shucks, Eric already started painting those for me. So uh, to keep with the motif, I think he's probably going to have to paint those too. Oh, is yeah, a, sure. Is it a ghost fence at this point? Has it died like a normal fence? Mm, what would a ghost fence, like, that wouldn't serve a purpose. If it was a ghost, you'd just walk through it. Sure, right? I mean, that's not a fence. Like, you wouldn't scared while you're doing, it yeah. wouldn't keep your dog in. Like, <laughs> I don't have a dog. Though I do have a fence. Um, all right, guys, let's talk about the beasts. Go uh, for it. Both within and without. Um, though in the... Wow, that's deep. You know, think about it. Uh, in the story phase, in the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments. That's a lot of things. Of the nine realms... <laughs> Uh, and I think we used to say eight realms, but it's nine. Um, let's start at the beginning. The beginning when, when this all 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 happened. Um, the origin of this particular race. Um, I think the the people at home want to know uh, from whence does does the beasts of chaos from where where do they come from? How do they come into being? Um, how well, are jokes on you guys? Uh, nobody knows. Yeah, I mean they could not find those extensively uh, well filed and researched beastmen archives. So. Sure. There's not a lot There's of fossil no, record. Yeah, no genealogy What savages, right? You don't even know who your sire is. It's crazy. That's a fun way to put it. I'm gonna tell my parents that. Um <laughs> no, but I, and we're, I guess we're not really kidding. Like that's what that's what we find out in this book is that there is no right answer. Like they're sort of prehistoric, these these beastmen. Um Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, as we we're saying oh, with the beauty and the beast, like tale as old as time, I'm gonna tie it in here, right? Like literally is the tale as old as they are the first thing we know of that's like it's this like primeval primordial evil almost uh it's what they're portrayed as is nobody knows where they came from because they've just been here for so long yeah well and, and it's kind of where and this would be jumping just ahead a little bit but i feel like the first thing we know about the age of myth or like the, the first like actions that people took was like sigmar rolling up and needing to to cleanse a lot of the realms of beasts and the, that's these beasts well they're not you know the beastmen as we know them they aren't exactly maybe they're not the same thing but generally like it's this type of beast is something that sort of already ex always existed in the in the moral moral realms um so 
just because we don't know for sure does not mean that there aren't speculations or people that, you know, the, the residents of the mortal realms don't have some ideas as to where they could have came from. And a little bit, a little bit, uh, are a little more realistic or plausible than, than others. Paul, which one grabbed your eye? Which one, which one do you think you subscribe to? Uh, I think the alpha progenitor uh, theory is a pretty cool one. Basically talks about the fact that the theory is there was one primordial, primeval proto beastman, and an ur beastman, if you will. Exactly. And, and uh, yeah. did you did you stutter? I don't. <laughs> er. and it is from that one ancestor. The entire race, Bray, Bray, uh, Great Frey, is descended. Um, I particularly like the way they kind of wrote about this so they didn't present it as a this is what it is as they've done in previous battle films like this is the story of this pre-. it was these are the reigning theories in the halls of this which i thought was a pretty cool idea um so yeah the alpha progenitor is the one who started everything and everything is descended from him uh it talks a little bit about the spirit that came from the world that was and somehow managed to coalesce and become this thing that is greater than itself so that's a pretty Pretty sweet little theory as to how the beasts of chaos have come. Right on, uh, Davy. Tell me where uh, where you think they came from, with equal or even more uh, thought put into it, as Paul's answer was right there. <laughs> uh, there's another theory that the the book presents as uh, fable of the warping wilds, and this is that. Uh, what what I like about this one is it it kind of gives a little. Some reminders. I mean, it's some stuff we may have seen before, but it's it's talking about uh, humanity existing in the mortal realms before Sigmar awakened. Uh, so uh, we know, you know, Sigmar grabbed onto this glowing, you know, representation and ended up in the mortal realms, but he didn't wake up right away. And so before he was even awake, um, and humans are looking for things to worship or whatever they uh they get drawn to these chaotic nodes in the wild corrupting wilderness uh and uh basically devolve into beastmen uh more and more savage um and then from those first generations it goes on um to uh, uh diversify basically um and then uh you know eventually getting kicked out of azir but uh that that uh that is the that feels like of the three like the more I don't know, like the, the first one is more like the, the, that Paul was talking about, Legend of the Alpha Progenitor. That feels like, you know, traditional mythology. Fable of the Warping Wilds feels more like, a, well, here's how, like, thinking about it, quote unquote, scientifically, you know, magic-wise involved, uh, how it might have come about. And uh, there's one real friendly theory about uh, why, uh, why it would happen. You want to take that one? Um, so, whereas I would like to think that maybe you guys put some stock in some of your theories that you've placed there. This theory, <laughs> uh, um, this theory, I do not believe, and I don't want anyone to hold this uh, against me <laughs> whatsoever, but um, there are some uh, close-minded people, let's say, uh, that believe the, uh, the beast men uh, sort of stem or maybe are the cause of um, the fact that so many different races are living together in harmony. Quote, um, that the fact that uh, people aren't sticking to their own kind, man, I, I just have a hard time even saying it, um, aren't, aren't, aren't associating with their own kind, fraternizing with their own kind. Because of that, it's it's sort of warping the world around us, and it is 
bringing these beastmen in, into fruition. The fact that um, generally like like begets like is a sort of natural order to the world. And this is the beastmen are indicative of a, a twisting of that. Um, so these are these are theories held by uh, f- you know fanatics, religious fanatics, um, and, um, and maybe graffiti can be found in civilized cities all throughout. Uh, too true, um, and uh, and on occasion, like these are th- these are strongly held beliefs by like isolationist type kingdoms that proceed to fall like like paper. That's not a phrase, but still, uh, they're 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 not um, successful. I guess they're they don't. They don't have a lot of allies to call on, um, right. so it's sort of indicative of their isolationist tendencies. So, um, first off, I'd like to give you credit for the fact that Beasts of Chaos wear no clothes, and you said clothes-minded people mm. when you were talking about it, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, it's like Eric's two, here. What? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, Eric, when did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, um, it's also a bit of the end times coming in, right? Because when they're talking about these religious texts about people mingling together and they're preaching about it, it's very like doom and gloom, right? Like it is because we are here that the end times are coming. It's uh, it fits in very well with the the flagellant idea. It fits in very well um, the religious fanaticism, but it it does it in such a like it's the end of the world because we have brought this ourselves idea, which is a really kind of interesting way of portraying that. Age of Sigmar, the end times coming in 2019. Paul called exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I was really thinking we needed to move the story forward into something <laughs> completely different. I'm thinking uh, hexagonal bases. <laughs> um, by the way, I didn't bring it up. That, that theory is called the Chaotica Postulate. Uh, so if you guys want to sub- sub- you know, look that one up and subscribe to its newsletter, don't, don't talk to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But who knows? I mean, and all of those could be could be right, or none of them can be right. Uh, nobody has can really put their finger on uh, the origin. I mean, maybe there is no origin. Maybe they just existed forever. Um, but we're talking we're talking early history, um, and this is one of the few races that we hear um, sort of talked a, talked a fair bit about in the Age of Myth, because for the most part, it was uh, one of the only races that were sort of up and going. Like as soon as as soon as the Age of Myth sort of kicked off. Um, this is back when Sigmar was bringing order to the realms, you know, uh, cracking beast skulls and, and bringing civilization to everybody. Um, and as you might expect, or, uh, during those times, the beastmen uh, played a probably prominent, and that was a lot of peace, a lot of, a prominent role uh, back then. And so uh, it's part of large battles or large events. Um, and they're listed a few of them in this in this battle tome. Were there any cool ones that jump at it jumped out at you guys? Well, I uh, particularly like the Purging of the Heavens. Um, the Purging of the Heavens uh, talks a bit about the Thunderscorn, specifically, in the Realm of Heaven. And it borrows a little of the Old World uh, from the, the Dragon Ogres and the Shagoths from what they were talked about, but they improved upon it or you know, delved deeper into that. Um, and talks about how when Sigmar decided that he was going to take the realms, right? Then when he decided he was going to set this order in place, the Thunderscorn were in the realm of heaven and were a huge obstacle for him that he had to face. He had to um, basically eliminate. And the reason for that is because the Dragon Ogres have always been tied a little bit to this lightning thunder aspect. It gives them power. It encroaches upon the battlefield before they even they bring this storm. They bring that uh, power with them. You'd think that would make them friends. You'd think they'd be cool. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give you, we're all good, right? Maybe and my ex. Stormcast <laughs> could have shown up like 30,000 missions earlier, huh? If he just would have been nice to these Thunderscorn. And that's what really come down to. They just, they just want friends. It's, it's yeah, tough. Exactly. It's tough to be nice to them because they, uh, they did make a deal to pledge them their own souls forever to chaos in exchange for uh, functional immortal immortality. So I don't know. I mean, I'd be friends with that guy. Like that's cool. Like he, he's got he some sweet, 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 sweet stories. He's there though. So <laughs> fair. Yeah. It, yeah. it talks a, a little bit. Also Kraken is the name of the original primogenitor of the dragon. Kraken rock, the black Kraken rock, the back. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, his animus soul, his spirit was so strong that he made the journey from the old world to the mortal realms and possessed of enough will to recreate himself here. So he was, I don't know, I, th- I don't think it'd be a stretch to call him ruler of the realm of heaven before Sigmar came. Uh, I mean, all the more reason to be cool. Like, they came from the same place. Like, why would they not mm-hmm. pal out? You think you remember, you remember uh, Yampire? Man, those dudes sucked. <laughs> Actually, no. that'd be the exact opposite. The, the what else sucked? I don't know. Um, still, well, I have to say, there's a striking familiarity between Kraken Rock the Black, right, and Star Trek. I know lightning, kind of dragons. Yeah, mm. the lightning, they're kind of dragons. They are able to travel from the old world to you know, like they have this almost super realm ability to travel to be able to survive. Um, so there's a really interesting parallel there to me. Uh, Drag- dragon ogres are Star Drakes. You've heard it here first. You know it. Exactly. Hashtag Paul uh, Theories. <laughs> so Sigmar is like, hey, dude, I want you gone. And the Dragon Ogres are like, no way, man. And they have a huge battle. And, of course, the Thunders and are kicked out of the realm of hell. Which, I mean, that's sad. No matter what you talk about, it, that's, that's just a little sad. So, I mean, that's all I can say about it. Well, they're so. cast out in a, in a recurring motif for Aegis Sigmar, uh, Kraken Rock the black uh, his fate is unknown during the war of heavens and so uh they're they're still kind of on the lookout wondering wondering what happened to him is he still alive where is he is he still trapped in his ear is he you know cast out somewhere else so is he a god beast good sure it's it's tough to say um i agree with you paul this is this is i think my favorite of the stories in the age of myth too because it's not just a story about beastmen but it's very much a story about the history of like the moral realms like this is a tidbit that we didn't know before that like in in a sense informs a little bit of the 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 story at large that it's not just uh sigmar cleared a bunch of beasts it was hey, hey there are these residents of his realm for the most part, that he had to clear out like this named character that had to get kicked out. Um, like I'd read, I'd read that story. Like I'd want to know more about like how it came to be, how the decisions were made. So this isn't just a Beastman story; it's a Age of Sigmar story. Um, so that's why yep. I thought it was pretty cool. Well, the other nice thing is that it talks to the fact that Sigmar had to earn his place in the Middle Realms, which is mm-hmm. something we haven't really talked about before. Before it's just like, yeah, he has the Realm of Heavens done and done. Like he tried to do all this other stuff, but he failed. Yeah, but. We're talking about a success for the big failure that we all know. So we have more of a ebb and flow of power as opposed to just simply the ebb of power, which has been the storyline we've been introduced. To. I buy that, Davy. What do you what do you like about the Age of Myth? Um, I uh, I referenced it in the opening, but uh, first son of the Gore Father. Um, and this we get a little. We don't hear too much about Gorkamorka and. It's not like we hear a ton of more here, but uh, Gorkamorka gets sent to clear out Gur, 
And there he finds a colossal beast lord that calls itself the first son of the Gore Father. And they get in a huge, big, long fight. This feels very like sort of, I don't watch a lot of anime, but I feel like every time I, I see it, it feels like this. We're like, you know, so Gorka Market kills the Gore Father, or not, it kills the first son of the Gore Father. And as he dies, the first son is like, uh, one day you may even be strong enough to kill my dad or to fight my dad. I was like, uh, anyway, it was, it was cool to get a little glimpse of Gorka Morka before he was a, uh, more of a concept than a, than a, you know, that, that he was a actual being walking around. That's fun. Sure. Well, I mean, it's very much a, when we talk about the age of myth, it sounds like it's a, you know, a, a Greek myth or a, you know, a, sure. Some sort of myth, myth, mythological, uh, story. I mean, or, I mean, honestly, in this, setting it probably is real for all we know but um, <laughs> right right yeah uh, and and the story also talks a little bit about how the beast of chaos the civilization as anathema to their existence right and when civilization encro- encroaches um talking about this gorka morka being almost civilizing in sigmar taking over the realm of heavens that they all of a sudden are losing power right they're being pushed into the the small wild places and they're just sitting there brooding and waiting to be able to be unleashed. And that brings us to the Age of Chaos. The Age of Chaos. That was weird. I don't know why I did that. Uh, <laughs> you want me to do it for you? I could do it for you. I would prefer that you the did, yes. Age of Chaos. That was much better. Um, so, like, this is where the Beastmen come into their own. So, like, I, f- I feel like the initial story, and there's a few other Age of Myth stories. If you guys want, go and check them out. They're, they're, all pretty interesting um but it, it puts the beasts on their on the on the back foot or the back hoof um uh, because i mean as i guess it, you had to right so the age of myth is very much order sort of sweeping across the land and sort of making um bringing civilization and bringing the races and, and peoples that we know into the mortal realms but with the age of chaos is it'll chaos it allows uh the beastmen and all the other chaos factions to sort of fight back and and we know how that went um and there's a wide range of stories on on how they did that. Paul, what was what was one that grabbed you? Uh, I think really what's interesting it wasn't necessarily a story, but it was a theme that was running through. Sure. Um, is that the beasts of chaos are obviously force of chaos, right? And chaos is unleashed, and they're trying to take over the mortal realm. But there's this uneasy alliance, or uh, almost hatred, dislike of the rest of the forces of chaos by the beasts of chaos. Because they were this great primeval evil that the, had taken everything, right? They're the true children of chaos. They are the true children of chaos. And like it talks a lot about devotion to anarchy, right? To slaughter, to desecration. It's not necessarily actually, like, not necessarily. It simply isn't about power, right? It is about the violence, the creation of the anarchy. And so the Age of Chaos is very much about them because it really breeds that level of anarchy that they thrive upon but they don't necessarily with the way that the rest of chaos goes about and does things and it's not that they're like oh you're too powerful or or you're doing this it's because they are not true to the embrace of anarchy as a whole they devote themselves too much to one thing right corn devotes himself way too much to the slaughter of blood to the lessening of the total of anarchy right and it's it very much brings them back to they are simply this primeval force and that their point is simply to destroy civilization and even if that's on the side that they're fighting it doesn't matter if you are being civilized we're against you Uh, i don't want to be on the receiving end of that david i already know what story you're going to pick but tell me which one which one grabbed you all right Mm. uh, i'll hold you to this 
Uh, I thought the Wandering War was cool. You bastard. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is uh, it specifically calls out the Dark Walker Great Frey, which we'll mention uh, later. But um, over in Giron, the uh, Wanderers are still out and about, and they're trying to retreat. And they have all these, you know, sneaky. Oh, I'm going to go along these magical ley lines. There's no way they can be following me here. This Dark Walker Great Frey is excellent at ambushes and. Uh, using the hidden paths and hidden realm gates. And so they keep on every time the wanderers think like, okay, well, we got away from for sure this time, you know, horror movie style. Now is a, now would be a great time to just sit down and take a nap. And then uh, they get, they get ambushed again and again and again. Uh, and they just take horrendous losses. And what I liked about this was kind of flipped on its head. Some of one of the most common stories it felt like from, uh, from the world that was, was that any time there's a big chaos incursion, the Beastmen would go crazy, go charging into Athalor and try and kill a bunch of Wood Elves, and the Wood Elves would just, like, win almost effortlessly, it felt like, often. So this is kind of a... a because they're like, awesome. I take back what I said before. They're the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just liked... Uh, it really kind of played up, like, how horrifying it would be to, you know... these These aren't, like... The biggest, baddest, you know, bloodthirsters fighting. This is just, it's its awful because every time you think you've escaped, you're caught again and every, you know, you keep getting ambushed again and again. There's no, nowhere feels safe. Um, and so it plays up that aspect of the, of the Beast of Chaos. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the, it's the long awaited sequel to It Follows. It's now Beastmen are chasing you. Right. That's, that's a deep cut. I don't know if anybody saw that movie. Um, it's a, uh... It's also a real nice separation and differentiation between the webway and 40k and the realmway and AOS, right? Because the webway in 40k is mastered by the Eldar, and they have these secret places, and they master it, and everything is great, right? And is everything great in 40k? <laughs> well, for them, for the webway, because no, they good. they can travel fit safely, and they have this black library which has all this stored information which has been able to be protected for generations because they know everything about these paths. I didn't know that's and where Black Library came from. Con continue. The, uh, the Black Library is actually a place in the webway. Mm. Um, and it turns that on its head, right? Because we've had the Sylvaneth, and they walk these realm ways, and they'd be able to come here to there, and even at the end time, oh, well, we can save some of the Elven souls by storing them in this place. And it brings an actual nemesis to that. So instead of being this great, secure pathway that no one else can it turns into their biggest enemy at least in this specific in that specific story because there's someone there who they're not using the realm ways they're using the realm gates but they know them better than the elves themselves which is a i i think is amazing i think that sounds like a fantastic narrative to be able to play a campaign or anything else off of well, that is super great, um, and it and it makes sense, right? Like, if they're the like the OG residents of the moral realms, of course they're gonna have a better sense of like the realm gates out there. Like everybody else is still kind of learning them. Sure. I mean, even over this, you know, over the course of ages. Whereas, yeah, you would you would buy the fact that the the beastmen uh, know everything there is to know. You know, well, not everything, but know the what the ins and outs of literally the the realm gates, um, which really just contributes to their ambushy sort of um, movement based. Um, approach to things um i wasn't going to bring one up but since i already brought it up and i brought up the, the one that i thought david was going to like uh how did you not pick the the one where uh well maybe it's because you don't like seeing karadran die but uh <laughs> this is in the age of chaos this is right right when the ko dwarves 
Arduardin were uh, taken to their ships and taken to the sky. And so everybody's trying to sort of escape and get, get beyond the reach of the beastmen. Um, and different skyports are being made, but one particular ship sort of disappeared um, and nobody knows what happened to it until, you know, I don't know if it was months or years later, like dead, dead Duarden start plummeting from the sky <laughs> and the ship crashes uh, out of the middle of nowhere. Um, and the, the thought is, is that there are, uh, what would the word be like, beastmen living in the, the, the solid clouds in right, the realm solid, of metal. Clouds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just butchering Duarden up there. Uh, Oh, cool. I mean, that's cool. And that's super neat. Um, it, it was neat because not only was it a story about the Beastmen, uh, but another race, but also about the realm themselves. Like, here's a, here's another weird, wild, and wacky thing that happens in, you know, like, of course, there's beast herds living up on a, in clouds making, you know, giant golden... Hearthstones? Um, uh, yeah, These are gold pillars, yeah. 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 I didn't think yeah. it because I'd rather see elves die. That's <laughs> Fair enough. Um, my heart. Which was that? Which is I was gung ho about my, <laughs> my what else? Um, which but, let's be honest, that ties in really well with the KO book that we read, right? Where we have the the Dwarden, we have the Chimeras that were attacking in packs, and they were defending <clears throat> the Ether Gold Vein in that book. So this ties in very well with the narrative that was in that Black Library to there. allow them to live in the realm of metal and to uh, have this battle. So I thought that was actually a really Black Library to a battle. Definitely both in the sky. <laughs> in the normal metal. Yeah. With Duarten. Um, but I, and I think we're talking about the theme of these these stories, I, I, to kind of like what Paul was doing. Um, I also like the uh, the chance to read some stories where like the Beastmen are succeeding, I guess. I think oftentimes the Beastmen fall into the, the trope of being just the nameless baddies that the good guys need to like overcome yeah. and triumph them and they're not even necessarily particularly effective at whatever they're doing right. um, this is a great opportunity to see uh ways in which they can do what they do and do it well um so i mean it's refreshing in that regard yeah but now that i've read it i don't want to read it anymore i want to go back to my my elves <laughs> kicking butt but well and that actually hits upon a point which i think is really fascinating about this of chaos and this battle film is that they don't care about winning right at no point are they like we're going to celebrate our amazing victory, right? Which is good because they don't win a lot. <laughs> exactly. But it talks about the Hearthstones, and it's just the anticipation of the anarchy is the celebration, right? It doesn't matter if they win. It doesn't matter if they win. It matters if they, How they play the game yeah. to spread the anarchy, right? And this is a faction who's like, don't care, right? We just need to kill stuff and create anarchy, and we'll be happy. And it doesn't matter how many you kill because we're going to keep coming, Right. That's also a constant theme that they have in the battle tone. That's true. Though I don't know that I've ever, I didn't read of any of them being happy, like ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, what would a happy beastman even be like? Um, so, that, I mean, and again, there's also a, a fair number of other stories. If you, if you want to get your beastman fix, uh, pick the battle tome up and you can read, read a few more. But uh, that, that'll lead us into our, our Age of Sigmar. And I always like to ask, what, what, what brings this race in the, into the Age of Sigmar, the, the, the present day? Um, what what are their what are their motivations? What are their goals? Like what 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 sort of ushers them into this this new age? Uh, anybody have any thoughts before I, I tell you mine? I mean, I think it's, the big thing is that uh, uh, you know, they still had foes to fight in the in the very end of the age of chaos. You know, they they had their conflicts with some of the other factions out there, but uh, their big thing they're a force of entropy, right? And so now uh, cities are being built where. They'd been torn down before, and so 
you know, this is kind of a, an affront to what they, you know, as, as things sort of solidify and become more ordered, it's uh, the exact opposite of what they're looking for. So they're looking to tear it all down. Um, and now they have a lot more stuff to tear down is, is the short of it. That's, a, that's a, what I see as their main motivation as a, as a faction. Paul, tell me about it. Uh, well, it's also about the Stormcasters. Of course it is, because everything in Sigmar is about the Stormcasters. That's what I was going to say. Keep going. But they are the ultimate civilizing force. Right? They are the ultimate stabilizing force. They are the ultimate town-building force. They are the ultimate fix-everything. Right? They have a lot of hammers, yeah. Building towns, fixing stuff. Exactly. They've got the engineers, right? They, they've got everything kind of figured out. And so the Stormcast to the Beasts of Chaos are the epitome of anathema, right? Like, they just hate them because their entire purpose is to eliminate what the Beasts of Chaos want to perpetuate. Yeah, well, I mean, the to build off what you're saying, the Stormcasts are, are basically painting a target on their back in a, in a sense that, like, you, you couldn't get more opposite to the Beastman ethos. Um, and I think it says somewhere in the book, maybe I made this up, uh, that, like, it's, it's kind of like the ultimate, like, you know, challenge like they see in the stormcast like a a, a, a thing that needs to be overcome. Like it, it, they can't help but want to um, sort of defeat them because it is sort of the opposite of what they're what they're going for. And to maybe drive some of that home, there's a few stories set in the Age of Sigmar. What? Uh, tell me about those guys. We got a couple that uh, that are direct reference to, uh, and it's nice to see we have enough history now in the Age of Sigmar. Uh, that we can actually reference that. So they talk about uh, the dirge horn resounds and the blood-soaked archipelago. Both those things happened uh, during the Realmgate Wars. Um, one one was in Giron where uh, the the uh, uh, beasts were blowing a, a horn that was so disruptive and uh, it was maddening the um, uh, the not hammered the uh, hallowed knights that were were on the march and. It, it was driving them to almost, you know, seek for reforging. It was, it was pretty intense. And so this story talks, it's a callback to that. And the blood-soaked archipelago is this uh, corn-crazed set of bulgores uh, that got too angry when, uh, <laughs> when they managed to uh, uh, magnify Scarbrand's uh, rage aura and their heads exploded. So uh, <laughs> That's pretty awesome. You remember that, Jim? Uh, <laughs> I want to say that was in God Beasts, but uh, I'm I'm not positive. But, yeah. Sure, um, I put your name down on those because I didn't read them, and I'm like, eh, I know I've heard about these before. They do remind me. Yeah, um, Paul, did any any grab you? Uh, the rat trap was kind of cool because um, it talks about them fighting the other children of the Beastmen. See themselves as true children of chaos, but now Skaven are definitely cast as the children of chaos as well, as because they have the great horned rat as part of the chaos pantheon. Um, and so they basically have this standoff within this cave, and the Skaven show up, and of course, Skaven have more than the Beastmen do, but the Bray Shamans call down their magic, and they basically transform the caves into a set of giant jaws that literally just smash the Skaven to bits as part of the Earth. And it was just, it was a cool image, and a really cool little story to just demonstrate their connection to the realms, right? Skaven don't necessarily have this kind of the realms, but the Beastmen as the primeval terrors, right? They know them inside and out. That comes, again, with the Realm Walker. It comes into fruition that these are 
the race that know what this place is. Sure. I mean, I haven't thought of it that way, but that's, that's, I mean, they've got, they've got the years of experience on everybody else. So uh, maybe they're uh, entitled to insight that not everybody else, everybody else has. Yeah. Questionable how much received wisdom goes down from generation to generation, but you figure this is, this is, they have some degree of it through just instinct at this point. Sure, yeah. Baked into the genes. Yeah, I guess uh, Darwin is alive and well in a uh, race that breeds at this rate. And, you know, sure. I mean, and yeah. very definitively a survival of the fittest. Like <laughs> Exactly. Uh, um, well, I, I mean, at this point, you guys took all my stories. Uh, there's a few others as well. Um, but I think to get uh, a, a taste of the Beastmen, I feel like there's a, there's a range of other, you know, you can read your stories here in the Beastmen battle tone, but I feel like they have, they're prone to pop up in a number of the black library books as well. And a better podcaster would have had a list of those books prepared. <laughs> well, um, I, I can say uh, we, we saw them pretty early on in the, in the realm gate wars. And I remember distinctly in, in book three hammers of Sigmar uh, where a couple of pop up and I was like, Oh, sweet you know because at that point you didn't know who was gonna you know what you you didn't even know what races were gonna see uh you know see long life here in the uh in the age of sigmar and i remember thinking like oh well that's a good sign i like those guys that's cool i think they were throwing like metal trees at somebody but yeah um so yeah go ahead in the getting started black library now short stories josh reynolds has his story set and we have the one of the nemesis is this Twispray, right? This Zinchian Warherd. Yeah. And that's another strong point about this battle tome is that the Zinchian beastmen are very much present and accounted um we've been talking a lot about anarchy, we've talked a lot about despoiling this primeval force, but we what we haven't touched about is that they do devote themselves to the dark god, right? They devote themselves to Zinch, they devote themselves to Nurgle, they devote themselves to Slanish. But it is almost the capitulation in the eyes of the rest of the beastmen that how dare you concentrate on one form of despoiling at the expense of anarchy in and of itself sure and let's 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 when we talk about like the organization of the the beastmen let's what we can touch more on their affiliations with the different chaos gods i'm sorry it took me so long to get that out um mainly because uh i mean because then we can talk about how that they interact with the the group as a whole but i want to talk about the 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 great phrase in, in in the first place. Um, so before we move on, do we want, is there anything else that people want to talk about when it comes to the age of Sigmar and, and sort of events or timelines or, you know, stories about them before we. No, I think we're good. They're all over the place. So yeah. you'll, you'll find them every which way. So, okay. So now we can sort of dive into the, like who the race is and what they do and so on and so forth. I, even though the history sort of informs that uh, in a sense, um, I think we we've touched quite a bit on actually what makes them who we are and what makes them who they are and what their motivations are. The the, the despoiling the the inherent chaos of things um, is this, and I'll ask because I'm not super familiar with them in the world that was. But is this generally the the through line that sort of permeated beastmen in uh, the old world in the world that was? Like, is this is this much different than what they used to do? The, I I felt like the biggest difference between the beast now versus the beast in the world that was in the world that was at least in some of the later iterations of the, of the background, uh, the chaos gods were like, ah, you know what? These guys are going to, you know, they're, they're sure they're the true children of chaos. We don't really need to pay much attention to them. Like, obviously whatever they're going to do is going to help us out. Like that's fine. Uh, and so they're kind of like the forgotten children. 
And here it's almost flipped on its head where uh, the, the beasts are like, yeah, we, we are chaos. Like we're chaos more than the chaos gods who have devoted themselves to specific aspects. Uh, and anyone who is devoting themselves to a chaos God is weak because they're asking for help. They're, you know, they're saying, Oh, I, I'm not strong enough to do this on my own. Can I have a favor? Uh, and uh, so it's, it's the beastmen looking at the chaos gods as if they're, you know, weak and if not inconsequential, kind of like almost beside the point. And uh, meanwhile, the chaos gods are like, yeah, these dudes are awesome. Like everywhere they go, they, they fray the fabric of reality. Like they, they, they're, you know, chaos. So it, it was, it's cool as a race that frequently ends up as the cannon fodder for them to, uh, whether it's all just in their heads or not, at least have this uh, way to feel have this superior feeling or I don't know. I, I like that uh, twist on it compared to how it was in the world. that was right on. Yeah. I think there's a, a really uh, discussion about the difference between the world that was and the mortal realm, specifically in the fact that the Skaven were not a part of the chaos pantheon in the world that was right. And now Skaven. So in the world that was the beastmen were very much like Davy said, cannon fodder, right? There was also a very strong narrative that, Beastmen were children of humans that had become devolved or tainted with chaos. And they were left out to die, and those that didn't die became strong enough to become beastmen. And they would gather into the woods and the dark places and become this force that would come back to civilization because civilization had discarded them, right? It was very much this revenge for the failure to perpetuate them, to the failure to accept them. In the mortal realms, they are their own true race, one way or another, right? Like, they are able to perpetuate themselves. They don't need other races to have children that are tainted in order to make them into a force. And that, to me, is a completely different narrative than what it was in the world it was. In the world it was, it, it was very much about, like, you know, the old folk tales, something being tainted by evil or something being tainted by a witch or a wizard. And in this one, it's, it's about they're not attacking civilization out of revenge. They're attacking civilization because it's not right, right? Their truth, anarchy. Their truth is destruction. Their truth is elimination of this sense of accomplishment, right? Almost. They are trying to ruin civilization itself. But the ruining of civilization itself is a pure motive as opposed to a tainted personal revenge. Um, and I know that might seem like a subtle difference, but it allows them to have their own space, right? The Skaven still have a ton of fighter. They're still now part of the chaos pantheon, but they are something separate because they're all trying to work toward these larger goals. Beastmen are just like, no, it's there. We want it down. End of story. Uh, Paul, I'm a little concerned how easy it is for you to get into the mind of a beast man. <laughs> I'm a Luddite. What can I say? I was all, the, all the source of mental entropy. <laughs> it sounds like you, you had a glint in your eye as you were saying all that. It was a little concerned. Um, no, yeah, no, I, I, that makes sense to me now. I can, I can sort of see that, that distinction. Um, and maybe I asked because uh, I'm curious how to utilize beast men in the fantasy rpg um but <laughs> no and no, i definitely am and, and seeing them reiterate the sort of the force of nature the force of entropy which i i don't know that i ever really got from like what little i read of of the world it was so i if this leads to if this battle tome or you know moving forward this leads to them being much more of, of like fundamentally fleshed out in um 
I don't want to say important, but uh, yeah, okay, I am an important faction. Um, I'm all for it if that's how they want to explore Beastmen going forward. Um, any other thoughts on their sort of motivations or who they are? Because then we can start talking about how they're organized, which is how every that's how you know what a thing is is by how its organize how its organization works. Mm. Nope. So that's so great. speaks so speaks Aaron. Um, <laughs> so basically, how do they live? Uh, direct quote from the book: When or where they are abound. The beasts of chaos gather in enormous tribal groups known as great phrase. So we're going to hear about great phrase a lot in this book. It, it's basically the, you could consider it an army or um, I don't know, a war band. No, it's bigger than a war band. It's, 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 it's an army of, of beastmen. And when we talk armies, when it comes to beastmen, we're, we're talking thousands, if not millions of, of beastmen. They're, they're very realm spanning. Yeah. Realm spanning numerous to say the least. Uh, they don't have any trouble uh, with the recruitment. I, I don't get the sense. Um, they're not limited in scope. So uh, they're spread across the, the different realms um, by utilizing the, the the realm gates. As we talked before, they're sort of masters of the realm, game, realm gates. So even, you know, across large distances or, you know, across the realms themselves, they still can, or well, organize is a strong word, but be sort of led um because of their their use of the realm gates and being in different places at at, at once, um, when I say led, it's because they're typically led by these these alpha beasts. So think an alpha of a pack, you know, uh, a leader. Uh, so, so might expect when it comes to a, a bestial faction like this, um, we're dealing with the strongest of the strong, the smartest of the smart, um, reaching leader a leadership position based off of you know conquest, bravery in battle, and basically destroying any of his challengers and in, in within his herd. Um, so oftentimes this is going to be a, um, what would the word be? I guess, are they often gore? I don't know why would that be the case when it comes to doom bowls, but I, I think that's what we see, particularly effective gore. Um, and, and, and so there is these uh, strong, uh, malicious, but smart at the same time, um, alpha beasts that are, are leading these great, great phrase. Uh, and each of great phrase made up of a series of, you know, subgroups that I think is most armies would be different um, units or I don't know any of the military terms. Davey, help me out. What's, what's something smaller than an army <laughs> regiment, a regiment. Yeah. So th that's these, these beast herds, which um, could be made up with sort of uh, singular types of beastmen, or it could be just random assortments. There's no really rhyme or reason as to how these beastmen work when it comes to how they're, they're how they determine who they're going to work with. Um, but I, go ahead. I think there's an interesting point to be made just to kind of go back to an earlier point that I made when they were talking about spread across different realms, right? They, they permeate everything, but as opposed to say the Stormcast, as opposed to the free peoples where the realms themselves affect them, right? With the Stormcast, if they're in the realm of life, they might have life growing upon their own, right? With the free peoples, if they're in the realm of life, they might have wooden armor instead of metal armor, right? Same thing with the Grotz, same thing with all these different races. Like that dude from uh, Eight Lamentations? Rogan, yep, the exactly. Grif Knight? Yep. Yeah, keep going. And that short story where he's got the wooden armor, etc. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they talk about how the beast of chaos, their fur becomes like grass, right? When they're in the realm of Gur. When they're in the realm of metal, their fur takes on this metallic sh It is not their things that take on the aspect of the realm, but it is the beasts themselves that take on this nature of the realms, 
it is a far more specific connection as opposed to just, oh yeah, we're going to do this because this is the most effective use of the resources we have at the moment. They are permeated by the realms themselves. And uh, that was a really vivid picture to me when they were talking about all these aspects of the re- the beasts that live within them. Well, and in fact, it kind of harkens back to your earlier point where uh, where these are sort of, a, I mean, and it, you didn't say this specifically, but they are kind of a force of nature or they're like a primordial like force. So whereas everybody else is sort of, you know, late to the game in a sense, and they're sort of uh, picking up uh, different features of the realms. Like the beastmen have been in these realms for so long that it actually affects who they are and like physically how they like exist there, um, and that they are wild by you know by nature, and they because of that they they inherent uh, the, inherit the features of the realms themselves, which is cool. Well, and they talk about that as well when it comes to their herdstones right their herdstones in specific are a manifestation more than anything else right like if they're in the realm of metal it's going to be these spires of ether gold these um jets of silver from volcano and it talks about in one of the theories right that the beastmen themselves are spawned by these herdstones there is a connection to the magic that they have implanted or impregnated these herdstones uh, there, there's a very specific connection. So as opposed to the the thing that they're going to fight for being from somewhere else or being a sign of something, right? It's not the sign of Sigmar that they're fighting for. It's not the sign of the, the city state that they're fighting for. It is a totem that is planned within the realm service itself that is where they go to ready themselves for battle. Cool. Well, uh, Paul, not to, I don't mean to scare you. In fact, don't look now. But I think there's a beast of chaos behind you. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe. It's a spooky chaos cat. Um, all right. So <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, when I was rambling before, talking about different alpha beasts and beast herds, um, I, I mentioned beast herds. Uh, sometimes they're just sort of random assortment of beastmen, but oftentimes they are made up of like a standard type of beastmen. They sort of uh, conglomerate together, you know, or like attracts like. Um, and there are these different types of beast herds that I think from a rules perspective used to be the different factions before they all sort of got combined into this book. Uh, does anybody want to tell me about some of these beast herds? So I don't have to ramble like I was before. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, Bray herds are the more traditional, you think of the gore ungore, beast lords, great Bray shamans, great Bray shamans are being your, your best bet for, if you're looking to have a character in your army that has, uh, motivations that are a little less just like totally chaotic like they have uh, they're kind of the guides of the of the uh, uh, herds as a whole and so um, if you're if you're gonna have someone who's kind of the thinking beastman it's gonna be one of them the thinking uh, man's beastman yeah there you go um, <laughs> conversely the war herds uh, by and large they're differentiated by like what they ate and how much they ate so, uh, they there's there's some cool origin stories for the uh, uh, for the gorgons, which is that they ate so many minotaurs that they got really big and buff and grew two extra arms and grew knives out of those. So I mean, like you'd expect. Sure. Well, you are what you eat. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and cygors, who have the whole mag- you know, they can they can see uh, magical currents and uh, all that they. Uh, once upon a time, their ancestors ate a bunch of great bray shamans and hedge wizards and all that. So they they ate so much magical stuff, and now they uh, now they seek it out. Um, I've just been eating my vegetables like a chump. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mow down on some wizard man. Yeah, 
Uh, what about the other ones, Paul? Uh, well, they're also talking about the Thunder Scorn, which we talked about earlier, uh, which is the Dragon Ogres and the Dragon Ogre Shagoths, which, again, harkens back to that lightning and thunder mode. Um, and then the, the Chaos Monstrosities, uh, the things that don't fit within the convenient descriptions of what is a Beast of Chaos. Uh, it is, in the old world, those things that would just simply be attracted to slaughter. Uh, but in this one, they are specifically attracted to the energy, to the, the herd stones, to the the desecration, right? Um, it, it talks about it specifically in more of, this is a clarion call to them. Uh, it, it includes them in the force as not necessarily leaders, uh, but more intentionally willing. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, give me give me some examples for those who don't know. Uh, well, it's going to be the Chaos Giant, which is pretty awesome. Um, they're going to be talking about the Cockatrice. They're going to be talking... Go ahead. I'm going to ask you, were the Chaos Giants in an army book in the old world? Like, what what were they part of? Uh, they were part of uh, Hordes of Chaos. So you can okay. field them in an army. Um, but now they're in Beasts of Chaos instead. So, sure. Um, that so these, is... so these days, the distinction sort of blurred. So, like, I mean... It, yeah, they existed actually in a number of the books. They they were also in mm-hmm. Beast of Chaos, and there was like slight differences between the two. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a weird, every you know, it was ninety five percent identical between the two, and so it was easy to overlook. Anyway, point yeah. being, real talk, they made the giant the first kit they made that was like totally able to be customized, and so they put bits for everything. And then they released the giant kit. They gave it rules to be able to be with pretty much anybody. So they kept that in the old world. And now they're kind of bringing it back a little bit. Uh, because giants were in destruction. And now we have giants in chaos. Um, so we're, we're bringing back that differentiation a bit more. Which is, which is sweet. I mean, my, my giant is specifically a chaos giant. It's got hooves. It's got the specific eyes. So it's, it's nice to see that coming back. Into the- sure. Are you, a, are you a giant fan of that giant? I am. I like cool. him. I like him a lot. I'm sure he's glad to. Right on. Uh, so uh, that's basically the, how they, they break up sort of the classification of these different types of beast herds. And I said before, like, they, they could mix and match if, if they needed to, and I, I think they often do. Um, anytime there's some slaughtering going on, you'd be hard-pressed to keep any of these groups away from it. Um, uh, and, and furthermore, I guess I, I mean, we can talk about how it's, it's a, a series of... Um, power struggles and all these different herds that, that kind of comes with the territory, especially with this sort of natural, um, we talked about like survival of the fittest type ethos of the, of these beast men. Um, as you might expect, uh, it, it's real dangerous being a beast man, even if you're within the confines of your own herd, uh, everybody's murdering it all the week. They're sort of you chasing off ungors for sport. Um, it's, it's not an easy existence. Um, yeah. but if you're strong enough, you'll, you'll make it, um, until you have to challenge the alpha beast and he takes your head off. <laughs> yeah. So as you might expect, strength is, is highly valued uh, in these, uh, in, in these herds. Um, and since we're talking about strength now, I give you permission, Paul, to go into your thing about the chaos gods. Uh, so when they're talking about strength, they're almost talking about it as a devotion, right? Like, and the devotion specifically to anarchy. So, you could be somebody who has allied themselves to corn. They talk about this in the battle zone. If you were a beastman who has given himself to corn, corn would give you gifts in order to express that devotion, right? Like if you were to devote yourself to Nurgle, you would get tentacles, you would get hardiness, etc. But the rest of the beasts of chaos will look down upon you because you have confined your anarchy 
to a specific route. So instead of being anarchic, you are being devoted to that specific way of creating violence, of perpetuating filth, right? Like that to them is a failure to devote yourself as a true child of chaos because the beastmen are the children of chaos. They are not the they're not the children of Slanesh. They're not the children of Nurgle. They are the children of destruction. First No, that's a, that's a different that's a different yep. faction entirely. Grand Alliance. <laughs> All right. Get out of here. Let's rewind that. Can we rewind this? Can no, we, like, we're doing that. Back? We're doing Google now, so I can't do any of that stuff. Oh man. So they are the children of chaotic right? Uh -oh. Okay. Uh, but it, it even talks about how to them men's are just like puppets of their god, right? Like they're worse than useless because they're which just extensions fair. of his will. What? I said which fair, you know. Sure. Which I mean, I, and I love the idea that like their whole goal is like to weaken the 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 fabric of reality, which I mean is basically what a demon wants to do. And they're like, nah, you guys still still not into what your deal is. We're forces um, of nature, and you're all magical and gross. Yeah, exactly. Um, Direct quote from the and, book, by the way. <laughs> and they definitely view themselves as forces. Uh, they also explore a little bit of this dichotomy of their half man, right? That is inimical to their definition, to their existence. Is that they cannot be one or the, the other they have to be they explore that a little bit in uh some of the more specific allegiances that they get into later on in the book right um, um but despite all that or like their opinions on you know the weakness of those beastmen that pledge themselves to the chaos gods uh there's a whole sub faction or whatever uh -huh. the term would be of of these beastmen uh inherently warped and twisted by zinch which uh, are, are, the, are the Zangors, which we've talked about previously in a previous episode. Um, but they find themselves in this Beast of Chaos book as well, um, because just because they love Zinch and change and stuff doesn't mean that they aren't beastmen to their, to their core. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got our Zangors, we've got our Enlightened, we've got our Skyfires and our Shamans. Um, and they're, all, I mean, all, all uh, part and parcel to this, you know, uh, great phrase situation. And I was reading... In one hand, they were saying that uh, the, the beastmen as a whole uh, fundamentally aren't big fans of, you know, those beastmen that pledge themselves to gods. But every time a, a Zangor uh, contingent, like, opted to join up, they're like, oh, no, that's cool. That doesn't really bother us all that much, um, which was surprising to me. But then again, at the same time, they, they make a point to really dive into, like, how effective this branch of the beastmen mm, evolutionary tree ah, um, is it waging war regardless of what like sort of their motivations or their allegiances are um whereas like some beastmen are like fashioning cudgels with like sticks and rocks like the zangors are yeah, like an ornate like swords and things like I mean, i'd want that guy on my side probably <laughs> um, how, do you, how do you how do you guys feel about the intersection between the the zangors and the the true blue beastmen oh interesting you say blue um <laughs> yeah okay fair uh, uh, no, I, I thought I'm, I was glad it, I was glad it happened for this. Like it, it felt weird that they were segregated, it felt a little forced. Like I, I recognize there can be some animosity, but I'm, I'm cool with it. And then, uh, again, if you are looking to, uh, build an army where your story has a little more like, here's, you know, uh, some more, I don't know, understandable or complex motivations, well then, uh, putting some, putting a Zango or Shaman in charge. Um, does exactly that, so that's cool. Paul, you into it? Um, I'm into it because of a really silly reason, but uh, because of like all your reasons. Are <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
because I've got a ton of corn gores and I've got a ton of pesto from the old edition, and I love to be able to feel them. Um, I think what it comes down to is that it, it was a cool delineation, right? Like when you look at the hordes of chaos, right? The old hordes of chaos, the soldiers, etc. There wasn't a oh, you're devoted to one one god, therefore you're better, right? Or you're devoted to all gods, therefore you're worse. The only differentiation with players' minds of, well, why wouldn't you devote yourself to this god because this was totally better than that you had, right? We have this differentiation where it is chaos itself that they are worshipped. It is the anarchy again. Um, I feel like I'm putting myself here, but it is cool to have a faction where it is about civic destruction, chaos, anarchy, and the tearing down of civilization. And devoting yourself to either of these, like, the gods are specifically mentioned as being able to use whatever you do to their advantage, right? If the beast herds come through and they kill a bunch of people, Nurgle's going to be like, all right, I'm going to take that. I'm going to make that into my gardener Nurgle because you killed in the name of chaos, so I can use that energy to be able to do that, right? Like, if you go through and have a beast herd and they're taking down civilization, Sinjin's going to be like, well, I'm going to use that, right? Because I'm going to make this fort a little bit weaker, this fort a little bit stronger to kind of draw you into this way to be able to fulfill this, right? And it, it was really interesting or really well planned, or I, I don't know either of the two, but they're never made a Slangor Bestagor model. And conveniently enough, Slanesh is still in jail or convenient in prison, as you will. Well, convenient for the fact that they never made models for that. Because now they've made Zangor models, they've made Korngor models, and they've made Pestigor, which are all best of those races. But because Slanesh is in prison, it makes perfect sense why there would not be Slangor. But I'm kind of wondering a little bit if we're going to eventually release Slangor. But it's just perfect sense. Um, right on. Um, I guess now would be a fine time to mention, I, I sort of put it towards the end of the episode, but we can bring it up now, um, that, I mean, there's the, the inherent, like, that the Zangors are without a doubt devoted to um to zinch and like we have models that sort of express that but to paul referencing all the different types of um gores that could also dedicate themselves to different cast gods there are uh, rules and 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 um types of phrase great phrase um that are purely dedicated to these chaos gods to sort of despite the um the stigma of of doing so in other beastman circles maybe we jump ahead and we can we talk about those for for a little bit sure. um so I kind of enjoy the way they're described is that it's not because anybody was like, oh, this is a good idea. It's more of that the alpha just happened to be an alpha that was devoted to that god. It just killed everybody who disagreed with them. Sure. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're, we're devoted to this god now because I'm the strongest to say so. Reminds me of my office. Um, <laughs> that's not true. And oh, wow. if you ever listen to this, guys, I'm just kidding. You're all great. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, we we talk. Let's since we are talking about zinch, we can talk about the the twist phrase. So this is a this is a a great fray um, variation called the twist fray, and there are these beastmen that are dedicated to zinch. I don't know that it's explicitly only zangors. Like it could be, I guess maybe other um, beastmen that are are warped and twisted in other ways. Though I guess at what point do you stop becoming a beat like a gore and become a, a zangor? When does a hill become a mountain? Um, but generally, uh, they're they're out there. In addition to despoiling and anarchy and all the other buzzwords that Paul's been using, um, they're they're still also trying to sort of seek enlight enlightenment, but then also defile other races and defile other races' enchantments and warp them into something that's more pleasing. Yeah. They're really harsh art critics. <laughs> 
Um, but they want to, you know, please the ancient, um, please these true children of chaos. Um, so uh, a fun little fact about them is like the herd, herd stones, uh, they're always changing and evolving. Um, and because of that, and like the, the magical energy that they're kicking off, and what are they called? They have a special word for them too, when it's a Zanga herd stone. Um, but they sometimes even attract other races, sort of um, like mystifying them and, you know, tricking them into rolling up and then war uh warping them into chaos like you know uh different mad uh mages or wizards or stuff um lures them into the forest and then it can warp them into some crazy and more zinchian so um i feel like the hearthstone's pretty indicative of the the zangor that worship it um always changing and steeped in magical energy pretty cool uh go ahead these guys had so each of these different uh, uh, phrase devoted to a chaos god. Um, for one, so this is page twenty six, twenty seven in the in the book. They've got a really cool picture for each, where it's like here's the here's a beastman head, like with the with a twist for that chaos god. And it's real fun to look at and the names. And then each one has an example. Here's an example twist fray. Here's an example skull fray, etc. And the example twist fray they have. This I thought this was a real interesting story. Where is a uh, uh, once upon a time in Hish, there was the twist fray of Ulknar, although it was not a twist fray at that point. It was a tribe of beasts who sought enlightenment. And they decided, you know what? We're half beast, half man. Let's focus on the man side. Sure. Uh, and so they, they were living peacefully with the surrounding tribes, and they were uh, issuing their most primal desires. And uh, they're getting along. And it's like, whoa, I've never heard of this happening. And then uh, Sigmar showed up, and everyone turned on him, and they got wiped out down to just one guy, Ulknar titular fella who then uh uh called on zinch to to curse his enemies out of revenge uh, and you know end up causing all this havoc but i was like oh you know what the whole uh seeking knowledge enlightenment thing um that that ties in nicely with it too i don't know it was a it was a uh interesting for for being a different story than you usually read about beastman yeah no absolutely um and it it calls out the, the the dichotomy between sort of beast and man, and I think Paul maybe referenced it earlier, um, but it that is something that they like every beast man. I, I I don't know maybe every beast man sort of grapples with themselves in terms of like balancing but like the bestial aspect or the man aspect, and and I think maybe Paul again said it already, but uh, how they're maybe sometimes ashamed of like the man part and they wish they could be more beast, um, and like something they sort of drop into beast mode. Oh, that's fun. Um, we know whenever they're, they're, they're fighting and, and so on and so forth. So it, there is a, a juxtaposition between those two psyches, um, if that's what you want to call it. Right on. Uh, Paul, of all those different beastmen, who's your favorite corn dedicated one? And then tell me about their great fray. Or not, I'm sorry, not Chaos God dedicated one. Tell me about their great fray. Um, well, I do like the uh, the corn skull phrase, as it were. I'm, oh, did I did I lead you into that? I apologize. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, but I, I do really like them because it seems to lean into what the beasts of chaos seem to be suited for best to begin with. Um, it is about blood. It's about skulls, right? Uh, but it, it it's the one that lends itself the most to anarchy when it comes to the beasts of chaos because it is about eliminating those who are civilized as opposed to like where the twist phrase try and change the civilization where the rot phrase try to eliminate it uh, and turn it into something else the slake phrase like try to twist it again you can see the skull phrase is the ones that are most true to trying to perpetuate this anarchy by eliminating everything 
that is the opposite. Here, here's what I was entertained by by this entry was uh, these men are so wild, you know. So normally, corn grants this like wild, savage, berserker battle frenzy. Corn actually grants a uh, modicum of order <laughs> yeah. to to the uh, beastmen. Like, sorry, corn, oh, don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're like, oh, I guess we could fight in ranks and you know be a little more professional. And then they once they're up in it, they're like, okay, let's get back to business. Again. <laughs> like, yeah, not usually the way things see things go with corn. Yeah. As long as their heads don't explode. Um, and and I, I, for each of these phrases, I love how like they have their their hearthstones sort of reflect where they come from. So. Uh, these herd stones are are just stacked with with skulls, as you might might expect, because um, like, oftentimes herd stones are a place for like offerings. And so, hey, what else would you offer corn but a series of skulls? Uh, David, tell me about a great fray. Uh, well, it's lake phrase, right? So um, they uh, they uh, then another one of the things I like, you know, just comparing all the different things. They they call uh, Slanesh as the uh, the decadent fiend. Uh, hmm. So. Feature yeah. breeder and apex defiler. That's what they and, call me. <laughs> what uh, these these are a good fit in, in general because like you, you don't think of uh, beasts as like um, restraining any desires they have. They just act on impulse. So that's mm. that's cool. And their their unique twist is that uh, they actually have this like dichotomy of uh, hatred and jealousy um, and sort of desire for like the. The trinkets and so, you know, that civilization has, like, oh, like look how beautiful and uh, pretty those things are. Oh, we want them so bad, and they they rush up and like, oh, we're so jealous. They'll, they'll tear it down and rip it apart and shred it, and then all of a sudden they feel like super ashamed of what they did. And then like to make themselves better, feel better, they'll they'll go rushing off over the next uh, after the next you know choice prize. Wait a second, was the Little Mermaid a beast man? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, sure. wants to trap it in a so yeah. Yeah, wants, wants a bunch of civilization stuff. Half animal, half, half animal. Yeah. That's a second yeah. Disney reference for this podcast. New record. Oh, yeah. um, they don't really talk about their herdstone, but if they're if they're out there collecting like trinkets and things from society, I reckon they're probably heaping those like treasures and things yeah. on as offerings on their their herdstone, and then just dancing around it, just. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Uh, as Slanesh would want to do. And then the last one we didn't really talk about, it, or we haven't talked about, is the, the Rot Fray. And those are those beastmen dedicated to Nurgle. Nurgle. Um, think really rotty, like fur coming off in patches, beastmen, um, you know, eyeballs popping out and pustules and crap. Um, so they're uh, basically looking to, like, to decompose civilization and sort of bring it back to the wilderness, like back into that cycle of life and death. Um, uh, they're just looking to de desecrate and befoul uh, things like their herdstone, which ends up being pretty, pretty nasty. Um, they're out there sp spreading plagues like mad cow disease and what have you. Uh, pretty, pretty par for the course, which you'd expect. Um, did we see, was it Nurgle? Oh, no, we already talked about it from like the, the Dirgehorn. Th those are all probably yeah, uh, rock type. Uh, popped basement. up also with the Hallowed Knights um, when they were bebopping in uh, Shyish, uh, trying to uh, hang out with that, ooh, the Mortark, whom I think of, Manfred. Um, remember, the, it was the uh, Ruins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, were they in Hellstone at that point, or is that a different place? Say it again. Were they in Hellstone, or is that a Hellstone, different one? Yep, yep. So yeah. there, I mean, there were more traditional Nurgle followers, but there were definitely Nurgle beastmen all sure. up and down. I don't remember his name, but there was like a named like shaman type yeah. dude. Yeah, sure. I remember that guy. Scary. Slough something. Slough. Slough skin? Slough scale? 
Flower yeah. skin, yeah. Yeah. Uh, gross. I don't. I would like to keep my skin where it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's. So that that's just a a take on the types of beastmen beyond just uh like what their races are, but you know what their their mm, allegiances are and their motivations. Um, any other uh organizational type points that we want to chat about? How they run? How they work? Not really. I mean, not a super organized. Um group in general but they still have some and it's uh it's fun to see how they kind of overlap and uh, they do that some on the the game board too yeah, yeah, yeah agreed um all right so we can talk about how else they function i feel like we've already alluded to um what their motivations are like they're out there seeking to and i quote uh they seek to blend the moral realms and the realm of chaos into a single anarchic hole eroding the divisions that separate creatures worlds and even Oh, it's not gifts. Why did I write that? Uh, <laughs> I was gonna post something in there. Oh, what was it? Doesn't matter. Until all of existence is reduced to a lawless primordial wilderness, which is basically what we've literally been saying this whole time. Yeah. Can I um, take a moment here just to talk about very like a very specific idea? So it talks about how they want to turn the mortal realm into the realm of chaos, right? Time right. out just real quick, the word was gods. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> The realm of chaos is something we haven't encountered in the Age of Sigmar. It's typically... It, hold on. I mean, I can think of an entire like, novel. Yeah, all right. Well, but the realm of chaos... Typically, the realms of chaos got. Mm-hmm. Like Nurgle. Nurgle's Garden? The realm of corn, slanesh. In the, the garden of Nurgle. Of, right. But the realm of chaos is something we've never actually... Because we've been in all four of these gods' realms. So if it's an intersection of the four or if it's something separate has not been actually talked about, but the realm of chaos is something that has not been defined. I don't right? know. I might, I might disagree a little here. I, I mean, I think it's been toxic. It's, it's uh, overlapping territories. It's all owned by these different, you know, we, we've been in there. Maybe I'm just not following your point here. Are you suggesting, are you suggesting there's more than just each of the individual gods realms? Yes. You think, you think there's unheld territory in the realm of chaos? That's possible. I would have to say, uh, I mean, a great horned rat, lived, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't had his realm described, but he's now one of the pantheon. So where does he live? I don't have an answer, man. Right, and and that's a so that's a a different type of realm and place in, that we have not yet explored. And they are the beasts of chaos, I should say, are specifically looking the realm of chaos. So but it's not that we've it, never been there. It's it's more that it has not been fully defined. I think. There we go. Yeah, I think that, that's a much more correct answer. Yes, but we're we're trying to bring something that has not been fully defined into existence within the mortal realm. That's an interesting thing that we're 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 trying to do. Sure. I mean, interesting, terrifying. I mean, basically the same thing. <laughs> no, thank you. Is all I'm saying. Um, yeah, where does the great? I mean, in my experience, he lives in the Jamba Juice, but like downtown. Um, <laughs> That's gone. Did you know that? Oh no, I didn't. He used to live up. He used to live above there. All right. Um, so uh, we've talked about their motivation. We talked about like how they go about doing it, which is basically wanton anarchy, despoilation. Which I don't know if I made that word up. Um, though, I like it. I I think it's great. Though I do want to. I, I guess I have a question on that. And while we're talking about it, um, so it it is. A, a certain level of destruction baked into what they're doing. Um, how do you feel they do, how do they differentiate? And I guess we've talked about it a little bit from Paul, but how do they differentiate from like the destruction aspect? Like when uh, Gorka Marco was fighting that gore dude, I'm like, well, you guys are pretty evenly matched in like your ideologies. Um, 
Is it just it's just the 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 spoiling the spoiling aspect and bringing like chaos into the world? They're not trying to destroy for destruction's sake, I I suppose. I just thought that was interesting that like yeah. when you're talking about the destruction, which is basically baked into the realm of beasts at this point, and you've got your beastmen, it, I think they need to draw a very distinct line. Do you think they succeeded in that regard between the two? I would have thought so at the outset, but when you when the, if somebody were to put the question to me, I don't know that I could really strongly differentiate between the two you know define two i mean i think maybe orcs fight because they like to fight and beasts are fighting because they like tearing things down destroying things in another way yeah i don't know but go ahead sorry i I feel like i'm talking a lot but i I feel like the difference is orcs are looking to destroy right they are destruct something it, it was stated in the very beginning of the Chaos Battle Tome that it's not necessarily even the destruction, right? It's the despoiling. And, and what I mean by the difference is that it is not only to take something to make it into less, but it is to make what is left unusable, right? When they talk about the Centigors, talk about them in the unit entry, they talk about how they come to the realms or the herdstones and they defecate on, right? Like to take something that has already been destroyed and to make it unusable to be used again to build civilization Mm. as opposed to just simply looking for a fight and looking to win that fight it is looking to render it useless okay so it's very much a a salting the earth type mm, yes approach which i don't know that orcs are salting anything out there okay i buy that that helps that helps me uh understand the, the the difference um i feel like we've been uh in sort of vague uh nebulous territory for a while let's let's hit some concrete stuff uh how do we think um these these dudes are uh interacting with the rest of the the denizens of the rest of the mortal realms um who are their who are their enemies who are their allies uh i think beastmen are unique in this regard that their enemies are basically the forces of order the forces of death the forces of destruction Uh the forces of chaos too Uh, i don't know that they don't have (laughs) that there's anything but enemies out there the um, enemies are even the- oh yeah and the dude standing next to him also an enemy <laughs> i mean they specifically lay it out with uh they, they talk about how they, they'll go after the uh the more organized followers of chaos like hey not not enough entropy here i'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna kick over all the what you built a fort like lame let's kick this over <laughs> yeah. uh so they raging around and the rules kind of hold it up as well the, this book you're only allowed the only allies that uh uh, uh army from this battle tome can take our slaves to darkness like they, okay. they have a very limited ally list um so they 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 can show up in other people's armies a, a fair amount but they don't they're not looking for help from anybody when they're yeah. when they're running things so. too true i mean does does mother nature ask for help does, yeah exactly does the the hunting beast have help ask for help um agreed so i, I like to see that interaction um in the world out, out there uh all right, so we've talked a little bit about background. Let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's talk about some of the specifics out there. Um, so uh, there's unfortunately no new um, units or, well, I wouldn't say new new units. I guess units are used in different ways here, but no new, no new models. So a lot of the stuff that we have are, are pulling from uh, the old Beastman book and then a few of the, like, chaos beasts that existed in other um, army books out there. Uh, given that there's not a lot of new stuff, though, I guess the Zangers are new. It, but still not well, really new. We, we do have the endless spells. And the, oh, true, we true. We have yeah. actual models besides the sure. Yeah, we do have a few 
Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'll ask, but I think a lot of the eighth edition sort of informs what our opinions might be on this. But what are what are some of you guys' favorite units? Which ones stand out? Whether because they've they've changed in some capacity or that they've been your favorites for a while. Uh, Dave, you go. Um, I like uh, I, I like a lot of the Warherd stuff. I, I don't think it's as interesting from like a motivational perspective because it's just kind of blood greed swallow stuff. But I, I have that. Sidecore model, I enjoy it, and uh, I like that it defined a little bit. Like you know, it's unbinding something, um, so it's got those extra unbinds. And when it does so, not only does it like consume the essence of that spell, but it consumes a little bit of the soul of the person who cast it. So it was just a, like just one of those throwaway lines. You're like, ah, now I get that rule. You know, I understand why why it causes a mortal wound and heals a mortal. You know, heals a wound on itself. Like. And I, I like finding those things that say this is why this rule exists and this is why this rule is there, and uh, and it's cool. Now they can all uh, they can all eat things if they kill something they can eat it and heal themselves. That's that's a fun little tweak. Well, again, fun for who? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, give me your give me your faves. Uh, the cockatrice. Um, this was that you could feel that armies way back when, uh, and Beastmen got their own battle tome. Uh, it was kind of left in the dust, and then Storm of Chaos, or I'm sorry, Storm of Magic came out. They made a new model for it. It was absolutely gorgeous. That addition to your army as opposed to the core of the army, and this battle tome brings it back to the core of the army, as it, as it were. So it allows it to field it, the Chaos army, and it's such a gorgeous model. I, I think they really did a great job of updating it, and so it's really awesome to be able to see it included into a force again. Uh, so I'm really happy about that. Right on, right on. Uh, my favorite is probably the Bestigore, mainly from the models. I feel like I've always liked the Bestigore, the Bestigore models for a long time. Um, they haven't really been updated in any sort of like meaningful lore sense. Uh, they're still the the best of the best. Of the gores. Yeah, of the gores. Um, <laughs> But I always like the way they looked. They always looked really good ranked up. I don't know that I've ever really seen them on rounds these days, but uh, like the very like antelope sort of uh, aesthetic. Um, but they're out there. They're making other gores or like ungores do their bidding, like make me cool weapons. And like they've been stealing armor from like the people that they've defeated. Um, so I like how uh, it sort of evolved a little bit past their um, primal basic instincts, but they still kick butt on the battlefield so those are my those are my dudes if i were to start a beastman army i'd start with those guys my dudes my dudes all right um but counterpoint what uh what didn't really do it for you what uh was a big fat thumbs down on your end baby lead us off on one more time um i i gotta say that uh i think the rules are cool for it i really just don't like the chimera model um it's a it's a weirdly proportioned thing um it's fun that you can bring it in for free um and it, it's one of those it's one of those models that uh as i put together a, an army of these i'll be tempted because it, it would be fun to bring this huge monster in but eh, the existing model's kind of a pile of butts so uh, <laughs> i have to think about versions or or repositioning or, or something i don't know but is it like three different animals butts at least okay at least i mean you could like it, it I mean, not that I would ever like mess with a model like that. I wouldn't convert anything to save my life. But like, it would be cool to put a, like a variety of different animal heads on, yeah. on that creature. Oats. Shark so heads. Or... Three different animal heads. Would that be a full? Well, probably. They actually had a really. Where are you going with this? 
back like third edition for the for the chimera it was a lion with absolutely oh. gorgeous models so i thought you're gonna keep talking about full moons and, and yeah no 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 that's a throwaway line. Yeah, okay. not like model that's doing that i think but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh paul what 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 didn't do it for you uh, the racer oh yeah I mean, it's kind of a cool concept i guess but just not a fan of that model um you can paint it up to look really nice, but it's single pose model for a not single pose unit. So I wish something would happen with that. But um, I always, you know, you're right. I always thought that kind of stood like it never really fit the old Beastman like motif either in my mind. Um, well, well kind of it, it, instead of being something bestial, it looked like it was crazy, <laughs> right? Like it, it looks like it's kind of crazy and almost angry, right? Like it's like something just had to turn its head and cough. <laughs> Yeah, and and so it, it, it misses the mark for me for fitting aesthetic or the feel of the rest of the right? Like, they're about spoiling. It's about running around looking like it's drunk. Uh, it, I don't know. It's best I can go. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, my my bummer was, I mean, it's still the Centigors, and we were kind of talking about this earlier, um, for two reasons. One, uh, that the feet look dumb. Like, if you're going to be a, a Centaur, you should be like, Centaur. But I've got sta- I've got standards, everybody. Um but like I just never really liked like the idea of the model, and I like the idea of having like a four-legged like gore. Like I, honestly, I like the top half of the um, centigrades, but the bottom just doesn't do it for me. Second of all, uh, and I didn't bring this up earlier, I don't like that it's drunk all the time. Like it's it's like a wild animal. What is, where is it even getting it? How does that make any sense? And I understand maybe it's a throwback from like the world that was, which I mean didn't make sense then either. Uh, but like it, it really sort of is off, it's off the mark uh, in terms of like the 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 background for these for these dudes. Uh, I just I don't really get it. It seems unnecessary. It's, it seems like a way to tack on a, a rule or something. Um, so no, thank you. Uh, but that's fine. Like to each their own. I mean, I feel like the Centigor is being uh, hold over from the Greek pantheon, Pan, the Centigors. Like, yeah, know, but then it would be drunk together. It'd be but... satyrs. It wouldn't be centaurs though. Like. Well, in like Bacchanalia, third did movie, right? Nice. There were centaurs in Fantasia when they had uh, with Pan and the Pegasus, etc. So sure, they should get a Pegasus too. Cool. Um, there's a bunch of other uh, <laughs> units that we talked about. I think we we covered some of the the Zangor side of things. Um, you know, you, you, your Gores, your best Gores, your young Gores, your Tuscor chariots, which is also a runner for my not really great models. Uh, yeah, and it was weird. Like, whoever was writing the background for that entry just kind of went wild. He was like, yeah, uh, like, because he had to figure out how chariots were going to fit into these. Yeah. Like, Bestigor decides that he's actually going to try something cool, and so he's got to go catch these pigs, and most of them die trying to catch these pigs, and then some of them don't, and then they get some ungores to build it, and then they <laughs> run those ungores down, and you're like, what is happening? This yeah, he is just... quite the saga going on. <laughs> It sounds like Aaron rambling <laughs> a little bit. No, and then and then and then like towards the end, it, it's like all the other beast men look at him and they like they don't think it's cool, but then they do think it's cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're crazy. Um. Uh, so, what did you guys think about having the dragon ogre Shagoth become a wizard? Was that kind of the, its its thing beforehand? Like, is that a? It was not, but it works okay. Like, especially since they can give like here's a specific. Uh, lore that attaches, so it can be lightning based, and you, you can imagine them having control over lightning. I I didn't have any problem with it. Works for no, me. I think it's great. Right on. Um, and then your creatures of chaos is a lot of like the chimeras we talked about, and the the gargants, the cockatrices. Um, 
you got to throw in your, your token chaos spawns in, in this book. I'm not necessarily bestial per se, but, um, more than just token. If you're, wow. uh, what? Yeah, uh, there, there's one of the great phrases specifically devoted to, uh, how, how cool it is to be a chaos spawn. Like that's the epitome of what you could try to breed, try to be. Absolutely. Sure. Spawn. Yeah. Actually, I'll tell you what, let's, let's hop into those just real quick. So, um, um, the the gave spawn so we had mentioned the chaos god specific uh and we don't need to spend too much time on these but we talked about the chaos god specific great phrase but there are other ones out there and yeah. so these these great phrases are, are the equivalent of your um your not your, your storm hosts dark walkers killing uh wanderers which everyone can get behind the mm -hmm. all heard which is kind of your <laughs> like the the biggest the most numerous the most populous but uh i think paul would like to talk to you a little bit about gabe's yep I thought they just uh, typoed grave spawn for the longest time. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the grave spawn works Morgor. Uh, so Morgor is from the world that was, and it talks about how he actually was what was, and he's able to manifest himself several times. In the world that was, he was very much about, I'm going to destroy the wood elves because they're taking the woods and better. I'm going to take the woods and I'm going to make them worse, right? I'm going to debase them. I'm going to, and it's, to me, it's the most direct descendant of the rest of this battle tome where Morgor was about destroying the Wood Elf civilization. He wasn't about just going to go and beat it and winning it, etc. He was about taking something that was good and turning it into something that was bad. And that was reflected a lot in his rules, where um, if you were shooting at him with an arrow, his rules would allow him to turn the arrow into a fish or into an apple, right? Like, it specifically said that he... Or a fish apple. Exactly, a fish apple. Oddly enough, not. never an apple fish, though. <laughs> oh. Oh, just weird, Aaron. Why would you say <laughs> That's that? That's weird, yeah. Uh, and so in Chaos, in, sorry, in Age of Sigmar, Morgor is now a deity. Uh, he has not manifested himself with this realm, but the Gavespawn are a race, a devotion to Morgor himself. And it's about the warping, twisting, mutation aspect of Chaos, which if you look at the model itself for Morgor, it very much fits. It's about, it is the embodiment of anarchy in the model. Right, and that's why the chaos spawn are so specific and glorified by this specific battalion, as it were. Uh, it talks about the brave shamans as well, and how they are able to warp the mortal realms themselves when they step on the ground. The mortal realms warp in small portions of the realm of chaos, and specifically talks about how they disrupt the natural order. Uh, so, for example, uh, when the brave shaman steps on the earth, uh, the it will raise up worm plants etc but they will worms that eat themselves, themselves no less exactly yeah, yeah they'll consume themselves they will they will literally become anarchic upon the touch of the clothes on the ground itself so yeah it's, it's a very cool specifically destruction specifically despoiling aspect of the beast i'm into it actually no i'm not into it at all but like <laughs> i can see how someone would be into it um <laughs> Yeah, there's that one we talked about. Yeah, those, basically we talked about all the other great phrases. Um, so uh, they're they're fun little ways to flavor your forces and paint them a certain way, and you know get special rules out of it. If you're into that sort of thing, if you play games, if you uh, paint, you know, or if you paint, really, or if you convert things, I'm very intimately familiar with. Uh, and I think that for the most part sums up the book. So does anybody else have any other interesting tidbits they want to talk about? And they better be um, interesting, so help me again. The artwork. I was really, really impressed with the artwork. I agree. Um, they, took a, they took a couple of classic pieces, but then even, like, especially the little flavor art. 
stuck in the chapters. I thought that was amazing. I really like the God. Like Davey mentioned them before, the God-specific ones were like, I mean, I studied them a few times. Like I went back to them and was really looking at it. It's it's a great like reinventing or re, uh, reimagining of what a, 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 a gore's head would look like. Yeah. Uh, any other any other thoughts? I feel like normally we have uh, interesting tidbits we want to chat about. Man, we did a very good job covering it. All right. Well, cool. Uh, that might be it. Because if there's nothing else we want to talk about, let's call it a day. Well, you want to give like a final review? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, I mean, we don't really do re- reviews for Battle Tomes. Yeah, you would know if you did a Nighthawk Battle Tome <laughs> review. Uh, oh, oh. Well, but, okay. I guess all I want to say is that I, I think uh, they did a cool job bringing it, bringing it around. It's a little weird to see no special characters. I think that's a function of no new models. Um, did it, Bone, Bone Splitters have a special character? They did not. Beast Claw probably didn't. No. So, I mean, yeah. there's precedent. Right, right. Far for the course. Uh, cer- certainly, yeah. Uh, uh, but I thought they did a great job of uh, finding ways to tweak the rules a little bit, to make them interesting, make them representative. You know, even stuff like uh, the Gabe Spawn that Paul was talking about. Generally, people are like, ah, Chaos Spawn, who cares? Um, you know, like, they're, they're not a real exciting unit to use on the battlefield. All of a sudden, they have a real role, like it's a it's a it's a great fray that is excited about spawn, and then they give rules for you to be excited about them to to take them. And you spend command points to make the rest of your guys better if they're close to a chaos spawn. So lots of little tweaks to to make them do what they're supposed to do if you're reading the background and uh, be kind of fun and interesting on the on the tabletop. I um, I've only played the the one game with them, but uh, I think there's a lot of fun to explore. Uh, whether you're looking just for tabletop stuff or whether you're looking to uh, bring bring a narrative to the table, which is which is always fun. So, right on. Uh, is there anything you're particularly looking forward to, like in creating this army? Like, what what's what's next for you? Uh, Some is playing with the interactions between some of the battalions and the the great phrase, and then also uh, uh, checking out some of the models that um, I I like the look of, but haven't had a reason to get before. So like some of the dragon ogres, figuring out if I'm going to do a conversion for a shagath and that sort of thing. Like I think there's a lot of uh, fun stuff to be played with there. Uh, so. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, Paul, generally, what did you think of the book? Then we'll do we'll do that guy. Um, for something that's literally out of left field, like I don't think anybody's just coming mm-hmm. more than like a month or two in advance. Uh, I think it does a really good job of situating the force within the, the Age of Sigmar without changing its fundamental nature too much, but giving it enough subtlety to be able to make it make sense, right? It's, it's not like where you have to free people and you have to figure out why they're all wearing feathers and dressed like Germanic soldiers, right? Like they- co- Cosplayers. Yeah. <laughs> the Beasts of Chaos fit in pretty well with the way they are. Right. I, I appreciate the way that they made them to be the primordials almost. Right, well, they're, they're oh, intrinsic the to the realms, and so learning yes. more about them te- tells us more about the realms as a whole, right? Yeah, it's nice to see something that's intrinsic to the realms as opposed to something that was just, oh, it just it's here because the models look good, right? Like, it, it, yeah. it feels like it fits that they would be primordial. It feels like it fits that it would be intrinsic. And I think they did a good job of portraying that background. Yeah, agree. Um, I thought going into it, I was prepared for it to be fairly one-dimensional, which it, I don't know that, I don't think it ended up being that way at all. Um, I think it, it had depth um, and it, it helped. I guess I didn't know much about Beastmen going into it. Um, maybe if I would have had more experience, I, I, it would have been a little 
repetitive, but I think it, I came into it with fresh eyes and it, and it seemed new to me, um, which was great. Uh, the, the tiniest of complaints, this just the smallest of complaints is I always like when a book sort of starts to like hints at like a new thing or like the next thing. And I don't know that we got any sort of sneak peeks or, or hints in this one, like in the night haunt, I think there was some reference to shadow or light elves or something, or, you know, something to that effect. Um, but there wasn't here. It's not necessary, but I would have liked to have seen it. I, I got spoiled on some of the previous battle tomes. Um, yeah, the only teasers were stuff that you're like, that's probably not going to happen. Where it was oh. like, oh, they've had visions of like, what happens if the beastmen get to Nagash's pyramid and turn it into a giant herdstone? And you're yeah. like, that's cool to think about. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a clue to what's to come or anything. A feasible thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but I, and after this battle tome does not put it forward, right? It fills out the narrative backwards a bit but it definitely doesn't push the narrative forward. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I didn't learn anything. It's just that it wasn't, yeah, like you said, it's not a forward-facing book per se. Um, but I recommend anybody who, who has a passing interest in, in Beastman, it's, it's, I think it gives you information you're not necessarily going to get in like a Black Library novel. No one's ever, not, I'm going to say never, but chances are you're not going to get a lot of depth from those other books. So if you want it, you're going you're gonna to want to get it from here. Um, so check it out. It's worthwhile. Uh, especially because there's all sorts of stuff we didn't even talk about. Um, we didn't talk about any of like you know the different um, like items or traits or anything like that, which have sort of a you know a, a lower spin depending on sure. um, how you like them. Um, we didn't talk about. I guess you sort of just alluded to like the Nagash thing, but like the Beastmen were affected by uh, the Necroquake too. Um, yep. So there's all sorts of other stories and you know little breakout information in there that's that's fun to read. So I give it a spin. Um, Anything else, gentlemen? No, I think we're good. Right on. Hey, guess what, everybody? It's time for our reforging. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Comment below. And this will actually be a YouTube video, so that's awesome. Uh, leave a review for us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at The Mortal Realms. Hey, Davey, where can they find you on Twitter? At Red underscore Zeke. Hey, Aaron. Uh, where can they find you? I was going to skip it. All right, uh, you can find me at, at Dos Asos, D-O-S-A-C-E-O-S. And Paul, where can they find you? At Patreon Sharks. Awesome. All right, and then you guys can check all of our Mortal Realms content out at www.themortalrealms.com. Peace out. Did you uh, drop it? Yeah. Uh, my cat jumped into my lap and pulled the phone. He said, hey, right. man, you're talking about Beastmen? Let me get on that. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think... Why is there no Catmen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there probably are. There, there's mention of, like, shark-headed Beastmen down in uh, uh, the underwaters and mm -hmm. such. Like, the Ideneth have seen uh, nautical, uh, pelagic nightmares, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but... <laughs>